Welcome back to Trending in Education and Happy New Year as this episode drops on January 1st, 2019. Dan Strafford, Mike Palmer along with you and setting up a little bit of a clip show, a little bit of a highlight show. Six guests will hear some of their best moments on the show. But first and foremost, Mike, how you doing? What's, uh, what's new in your world? Uh, well, we had a, we had a early Christmas, uh, surprise in, uh, the Palmer household. So, uh, I kind of was keeping a low profile about it, but, uh, Robin, my wife and I, uh, have been expecting our child, uh, since I guess around April and, uh, the, the baby was due January 13th and, uh, surprisingly, uh, the baby was on his own schedule and, uh, and we wound up, uh, being blessed with uh, Matthew James Palmer, uh, who was born on uh, December 23rd. So early Christmas present for me, uh, and uh, really just an amazing way to, uh, to end 2018. Uh, wife and baby are both home, doing well. Uh, I'm, I'm doing about uh, as well as I've always done, right. uh, which, uh, which is good. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, uh, obviously it's life-changing and, um, I think it's going to be really interesting on the show. Uh, you know, I, I've been uh, passionate about education, thinking about life, lifelong learning, which I, I still want to stay connected to that. But obviously, you know, both you and Brandon talk uh, a lot about uh, what it's like to think about education and learning uh, from, as a as a parent. Uh, and uh, you know, even you know, they they come out they come out of the the womb ready to learn, uh, although the the, the, the learning objectives are like hoop effectively, uh, pee effectively, yep. uh, you know, take, take your milk, you know, you know, uh, get some, uh, skin to skin the whole, I mean, we got to do a whole nother thing on, uh, just parenting, like yes. just like whole how to educate parents. Cause, uh, like I was saying before, Dan, like, you know, we didn't even, he was three weeks early. So like we didn't, uh, get to our parenting class. So it's all been on the job training. Uh, and, uh, and it'll continue that way for the next oh. 25 to 40 years. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I will say we joked, uh, the, the biggest job in the world, you, you don't get the formal education on you sort of, uh, go via osmosis. You deal with family members and friends and, uh, uncles and, and aunts, and you deal with, uh, learning that way. And, it is that sort of funny thing as we talk about an education and learning show. It's that other way of learning. It's the life experience. It's that uh, we've talked about it in the play of it all, right? The, you know, as parents, we do a lot of playing. We do a lot of sort of, let's figure this out. Let's hope for the best. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and we talk about it. And I've, I've, I'm thankful for the show, to be honest, because I've been able to have a growth mindset more so around parenting than I would have without working with you and Brandon because you know, you get so fixed on do it my way. I said, I said, so, you know, do it. And, uh, what I've been able to do is just understand my kids are going to teach me as much as I'm going to teach them. And so I don't have that mindset all the time. <laughs> I, oh don't, um, I don't keep that mindset all the time. Six o'clock on a Saturday morning. No, I'm not ready to get up and, and hang out with my kids. But, um, I, I will say it's been a great experience for me. Congrats to you and uh, the wife. Uh, I'm glad Matthew uh, has joined us. A uh, little MJ. He's got to get the, the tongue wagging down. And, yes. uh, and the jump shot in, I actually watched uh, Michael Jordan's top 50 plays of all time. So it's nice, uh, ah, there uh, you synergy go. there, uh, on YouTube, yeah. but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a road, uh, and it's a road that goes on for a long time. It'll be one that will be fun. As you said, to, to look at learning from a different lens, uh, your own and, and his, um, and your families as you go through. So, 
Um, we look forward to that. It's going to be a fun discussion uh, as we go forward. Uh, Mike and I have discussed doing the dad pod. You know, maybe that comes in, in a future episode as an extra, or maybe it's a spinoff of sorts. It's, uh, you know, Perfect Strangers and Family Matters, uh, the, yes. the, best, the best spinoffs in the world. Donkey Bartakamos. Uh, exactly. Right? Yes. And Cousin Larry. Yes. Um, we, we have, we had a ton of great guests this year. Um, we had a ton of fun on this show. I hope that comes through and everybody who listens, I think it does. I think we get great feedback from uh, some of our best and closest listeners. Um, some of the guests you'll hear from today uh, are representative across a wide you know, range of, of friends and, and close colleagues of the podcast. And some we met because of the podcast. Uh, Mike, I, I said in the intro and sort of a spoiler here, I'm, we're doing an intro after I've edited most of the episode, but uh, your Katie Nielsen interview. Um, mm -hmm. which is one of those moments you, that and Matt Cooper, uh, and you said to Matt before we uh, recorded last week's show, it was just, it, it was like you were old friends and there was a, a conversational aspect to it that doesn't happen in all interviews. Um, and Katie was just such a, a professional, but also so giving of her time and giving of her insight that it makes for a great episode. I, I reminded everyone to, to listen to it again, but I'd say, from my perspective, one of my favorite episodes of the year and one of my favorite guests of the year. Uh, do, you, do you feel similarly about Katie and what she brought to the podcast? Yeah, Katie was fantastic. And a uh, shout out to both Katie and Mike Merrill, uh, who introduced uh, Katie to me, uh, which is a nice reminder, too. Like, if you're a listener of the show and you have someone you think would be a great guest, um, we're pretty flexible, uh, you know, as evidenced by the fact that I'm recording this, uh, you know, eight days after my baby was born. But, um, but yeah, it's pretty easy. And hopefully, I think when we're at our best, it's a, it's a very comfortable, casual dynamic. And uh, that paired with the fact that um, I think Katie's, you know, a missionary, you know, like the whole mission-based versus, uh, you know, I've heard uh, the contrast between missionaries and mercenaries. You know, some people do a job because they get paid. Those are the mercenaries. Some people do a job because it's their mission. Um, I think when you connect with somebody who has a real mission, yep. uh, like he does, uh, I think, uh, becomes a really natural conversation. And then also I think someone who's teaching language, uh, and teaching, helping other people acquire the skills they need to advance in their lives. It's a lot of what we talk about at Kaplan. Um, but English language learning is really a gateway for a lot of people and thinking about how do you acquire those skills? Um, I thought it was a wonderful conversation and yeah, we'd love to have, uh, have Katie back on the show. And so we also will hear from Rohit, who has become uh, a regular fixture here on Trending in Education with his trends. Uh, I know you may, and I, I, don't, I, I hope I'm not uh, breaking any rules here, but may have had an advanced copy of the 2019 yes. trends uh, dropped in, in a mailbox of sorts. So we're looking forward yes. to talking to Rohit in 2019. Um, mm -hmm. A great, great insight from him. Uh, what have you learned uh, about trend curation trend spotting, futuristic uh, uh, trends uh, from Rohit and having him on the show? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely the, the mindset part I think is important. Uh, I think the way he, it's a lot is, is mindset and process uh, more than anything. So like, it's not like you can just cram for it. I think you have to change the way you think and the way you operate. So, um, so he's pretty inspirational there. And then as somebody with uh, with an advertising background, the idea that then you have to package and pitch and curate uh, what you see coming so that people can kind of latch on uh, to the idea and, uh, and, and really, you know, buy into it. And that's the curation part. So like, we may have a general sense of where the world is heading, but if you can then 
package it as this is what I'm calling it. This is the language I'm using. I think lots of times that um, that really makes it real for people. Uh, and it certainly made it real for me. Uh, and uh, not even going to tease too much in terms of his 19 trends, 2019 trends, uh, partly because I've been a little preoccupied. So I'm behind on. I can't uh, understand why. Um, we hear also from Debbie Barabishas, who's one of my favorite people in the world, uh, to, to listen, speak, uh, just mm -hmm. her insight into the world and, and the path she's taken, uh, to be a leading voice, uh, in STEM, a leading voice in data science, uh, a leading voice, uh, for, for women in education. Um, great conversation you and Brandon had with her back in the spring. Haven't been able to lock her down. Uh, for a, a full episode of, of Debbie Barabishas, but we're going to get that done uh, early in 2019. Uh, a great conversation there, and I was happy to bring the International Women's Day aspect to the podcast. Talk to Rochelle, mm -hmm. talk to Nancy Sanchez, um, and uh, Debbie, and, and just a great conversation all around. Uh, also hear from uh, Tarlin, uh, who's uh, Tarlin Ray, good, good friend of the podcast, um, and they're both coworkers. And I, I think uh, we always like to... Uh, talk, you know, shop when we need to, uh, but does show the depth and breadth of sort of the, I'll say bench, I don't mean that in a, a negative way, but the, the, the bench here at, at Kaplan Test Prep and beyond, uh, some great talent uh, that we get to work with. And I hope uh, it's been fun for you. And I think it'll be fun in 2019 to bring some of that talent to the fore. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Debbie, uh, I loved what she was saying about the importance of mentorship and, uh, you know, being a mentor and also seeking mentorship. Um, you know, again, everything's sort of very fresh of mind as a, as a new parent, but uh, being willing to ask for help and realize that other people want to help you, um, I think it's a tremendous insight. And, um, and then also, uh, you know, Debbie talked a little bit about, um, you know, men mentoring women, women mentoring men. Um, you know, with Tarlin, we talked a lot about uh, the difference between the generations and how the generations, uh, you know, can connect differently. Um, yeah, I, I really feel lucky to, to be able to have this show as a platform uh, for us to have our own voice, but really to start giving other people uh, who maybe haven't experienced podcasts as a, as a, uh, as, as a speaker, as, as someone who could put their thoughts out there. Um, I think those are two great examples. Would love to be able to launch uh, more shows for them because uh, they, they, they got a lot, a lot going on, as Very. they say. Very talented, uh, intelligent, well-spoken individuals who've come across great uh, in pretty much any medium that they get to uh, uh, attach themselves to. Uh, we also, yeah. one of my uh, favorite people, uh, Melissa Griffith, appeared on the yeah. uh, Meeker Report episode. That's one of our, our favorite discussions each year. We did discuss Mary Meeker leaving <laughs> her mm -hmm. firm and sort of starting her own thing, which will be fun to track in and of itself. Uh, we will see the Meeker Report in 2019, uh, but a fun episode each year, and it was great to get Melissa's insight and her point of view uh, which is contrasting uh, to uh, a lot of the ways I think about uh, the Meeker Report uh, this year uh, on the, the 2018 version of, of the Meeker Report mm -hmm. episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun to have different voices just for the sake of having different voices. But what's been striking to me is like how I sound different and I'm different depending on who I'm talking to. I think it's true for you. It's true for Brandon. And, um, you know, it just all reinforces the, the importance of uh, diverse perspectives and, uh, you know, Tarlin in particular, maybe a little bit with Melissa, um, what I liked was that we weren't 100% in agreement. Like yep. We get that feedback a little bit about, uh, you know, you guys agree too much, like when it's me, you and Brandon. Uh, people like a little bit of tension, a little bit of, uh, you know, 
well-meaning but informed like discourse where like maybe you're not 100% on the same page with each other and that's better sometimes, you know, because uh, there aren't really easy answers all the time and different people have different perspectives. Uh, it's fun to get that, that give and take. Um, and I do think uh, your point about um, uh, Katie was a good one. I, th I feel like there is a very comfortable uh, conversational flow that we get into with the people we know and we work with where, you know, we're lucky to work where we do, where that is pretty common. Um, but I do think it's something we maybe could take for granted at times. And when we try to put it to an external audience, uh, people are like, wow, there's a good group of people here who care about this stuff and are having a conversation. Yep. Uh, you know, they just enjoy listening in. So, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, it's all good. And, uh, I will say this, uh, one of my big goals in 2019 is to listen even more. I've, I've, I've made a, a point of trying to listen more than I talk, which is hard for me at times. I admit that regularly Ask my wife. Um, but, uh, to, to make sure to listen more and when Melissa speaks, I like to listen because her perspective is different than mine. And I appreciate her point of view on a lot of things. So, uh, I hope, uh, the listeners do as well, uh, brings a, a different flavor to what we do here and, uh, we'll have her back on as long as she's uh, amenable to that, uh, which will be a conversation to have at a later date. The last clip, uh, it won't be the last clip you hear, but the last clip we'll discuss and last guest we'll discuss. And there are tons of others, Andy Tempty, Susan Sanders, like there are tons of great folks who uh, didn't make this show, uh, didn't make it back to the last show. Uh, we'll have them back and we'll, we'll highlight them throughout the year as well, uh, is Wendy Zuckerman. And uh, this is an episode that you and Brandon got to film uh, and tape live at NAB New York, uh, which was in the middle of October. Uh, a rock star in, in the podcasting world uh, and, and a rock star on our show. She just brought the energy. She brought the goods, you know, brought like that sort of what we were looking for in a live presentation of the podcast too. Um, her discussion that I, I clipped here is a lot around uh, how they come up with the show and the back catalog, but even further go to drill down to whether or not they need the science to be a, a fully 100% affirmative or negative, or do they prefer where there's a little, grayer and you bring up the idea of there's some nuance to this all it's not just black and white there's a lot of well yes and there may be yeah. something else to that um it was yeah, a great yeah. discussion and a great event um we look forward to doing more of that stuff in 2019 uh but i i, I wanted to leave her uh to last because i just thought the, the vibe the energy of that episode itself the conversation was great and the, the guest was was top notch yeah, it was fantastic. And thanks to the podcast movement uh, for uh, giving us an opportunity to present at the Javits Center. Uh, the energy did feel different, uh, which was awesome. And uh, looking forward to doing more of that. Also, thanks to, uh, you know, Andy Rosen and Tim O'Shaughnessy uh, at uh, Kaplan Inc. and uh, Graham Holdings, uh, respectively, uh, who were able to connect us to folks at Gimlet. Uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll see more of that connectivity over the coming years, too, because um, we do have some real um, opportunity to uh, connect to the bigger Graham Holdings uh, universe, which has a lot of really, uh, you know, state-of-the-art podcasting uh, concerns going out there. And uh, and then Wendy was just hilarious. Like, it was so funny. Like, I had my notes uh, that I had prepped because I had just binged on uh, Science Versus. So I was, like, oozing science out of my eyes and ears and uh, everywhere. And, uh, and then... Uh, I had prepped uh, my notes and I was about to send the notes, but it was also very much in the moment. And somehow I accidentally deleted my notes because I was trying to cut and paste, but like I cut them and then I accidentally did something else between cut and I couldn't control Z my way back to my notes. So we wound up uh, 
uh, ad-libbing it, a little freestyle action. Uh, but, you know, in all truth, I do think there's some real benefit to doing your prep and then having your notes and in some ways not having to refer to them. Yep. Um, and um, I was really struck by how natural uh, the, the conversation flowed. Uh, and we'd, we'd absolutely love to have, uh, have Wendy back and other folks like that back on the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we were drinking schmilk while we talked about schmilk even. Right. So, I mean, uh, what more, what more could you want really? Uh, a full service podcast, uh, took an audience, uh, question, took, uh, yeah. you know, the vibe from NAB you can hear the background it just makes for a different uh, experience Talk about having different reactions and different interactions with different guests that live aspect that the, you know, the, the palpitation, the, the heartbeat of NAB helped influence not only the way you and, and Brandon proceeded, but how you listened to it as well. So really intrigued uh, in 2019 to get out a little bit more. Um, I'm seeing a couple of things up here at Harvard education that I'm looking forward to getting out to maybe getting some live tape uh, done at maybe even some streams from things uh, mm -hmm. as we sort of build out our social profile here on the podcast. And as Mike said, if you have a guest, you have a topic, you have something you want us to discuss, don't be afraid to you know, tweet at us or go over to the website, trainingeducation.com, send one of those web forms in, we'll get the email and then we can discuss it uh, and figure out the best way to bring it uh, to, to the audience. Uh, Mike, we're, we're, we're hitting 2019. Here it is. It's, it's uh, on us uh, and we are there. Um, crazy number-wise that we've hit that year already, but we talk so much about predictions. We'll do our prediction show later uh, on this year. Um, what are you most looking forward to from a learning and education standpoint? Maybe not a trend, but just from your own personal standpoint, um, what are you most looking forward to in 2019 to, to learn or to grow on? I uh, really just working on my dad game, sure. you know, so like, uh, just, just Me understanding too. what I, I'm sure I'm, I, that's probably true for the rest of my life. But, uh, but, uh, honestly, like, uh, I'm still trying to get my thoughts together. Uh, and, um, the amount of stuff that you are learning every day um, and you learn by doing, you know, yep. there, there's not a uh, dad school. If there is a dad school for me to go to, please let me know. Uh, but, um, but you learn by doing. And then the other thing that's been really awesome, I talked about it a little bit uh, earlier is that the level to which people are rooting for you uh, and just understanding that there is support um, yep. even though, you know, we're not as uh, um, you know, socialized medicine and those kinds of things may not be as prevalent in our society. I think the idea that there's almost something innate in like rooting for uh, new parents who are, are really, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, pay it forward a little bit by, by getting, getting the next generation going. Um, and then just the, the way it feels to, to kind of look at your, look at your child, look at my son and, uh, and uh, you know, it's tough to even put into words, but, um, but I'm looking forward to be, be a little bit more reflective about that whole experience in the coming year and then uh, still generate the, the, the amazing varied content that we cover on the show. I am excited for um, the Citadel too, Game of Thrones, uh, Hot Stove Edition. I think uh, we got to line that up soon to talk about uh, what's coming, but I do like the idea of continuing to weave in interleave uh the more topical pop culture angles uh even as we get a little more uh earnest and uh you know proper learning science it's nice to kind of I'm, I'm a fan of variety i'm a fan of uh you know staying tuned into the, the spice of, of life i've been told right I, 
you know, you know, and we all need a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, paprika in our life. Uh, oh my God. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, no, it's going to be fun. Thanks to you so much, Dan. Thanks to Brandon uh, as well. Uh, we have, uh, you know, same thing conversationally. I think we have a nice uh, flow among the three of us. And then it's, uh, it's been fantastic getting more voices in uh, and um, yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. 2018 was probably the most amazing year of my life. Uh, and that's also a reminder that that can happen at any point in your life. So, uh, so I'm getting on there in years. I prefer not to share my exact age, but, uh, but like you can really have the most amazing year of your life, uh, just about any point. Uh, and, uh, uh, just kind of ecstatic about what 2018 was for, for me personally, and then for what it was for, uh, for trending in education. And hopefully we can, uh, just build on that momentum heading into the new year. You're going to hear some clips uh, coming up next. You'll hear some introductions from me uh, as we go through and uh, introduce each one. I will also say Mike made the point about uh, people rooting for new parents. It's the mentorship aspect uh, from Debbie, the the idea of, of having a mentor, find uh, the parenting mentor too, find somebody you trust and somebody you want to uh, latch onto and understand where they came from when they were learning to be a parent. But so much uh, to cover here on the podcast in 2019. Special thanks to Brandon, to Mike for all the work they do, uh, getting content together for it. To all of our guests, thank you so much. To all of our listeners, thank you again. Uh, and we look forward to you adding to those ranks. Share it with a friend, share it with a colleague, and we look forward to big things in 2019. Uh, with that said, here are those clips. I uh, hope you enjoy them. Let us know what you liked and let us know uh, what we can do more of in 2019. Our first highlight from 2018 is our live show from NAB New York. Brandon and Mike sat down with Wendy Zuckerman of Science Versus, a Gimlet podcast, and the conversation picks up here as Wendy is asked whether or not having a definitive answer to the question posed on Science Versus is important. Then she continues on to talk about whether or not audience members, people who have listened to the podcast, have reached out to say they've been convinced otherwise on a topic they thought they had a definitive take on. So do you prefer shows where the answer is definitively yes or definitively no in the end? Or I, and I know there's a lot of the, there are things that are still sort of too soon. It'll take years or decades to figure out. But um, is, does that make for a better show typically when there is something dispositive you can get to? I think there has to be something that like upends your current beliefs. So if, you, if people have very strong beliefs about something and we can say there's no science there so, or the science hasn't come, then that's interesting. Those are the good ones. Those are the good ones. Right? Yeah. Where you're yeah. like, you know, where people are like, I definitely know this. And you're like, well, science doesn't. So how do you? Um, that's interesting. If people have like... Uh, very strong beliefs and then we can say the science is against you that's interesting if people have like meh beliefs and all we can say is the science is meh then those are the episodes that are kind of like well I didn't really think anything of this and turns out neither does science so we tried this by the way just a quick interjection we tried this um, uh, with learning styles so there is a um uh, a myth uh, there that, or a belief that there are learning styles that people are visual learners or auditory learners, etc. The literature, the, the the science behind, suggests that's not true. So, um, if, if you are interested in tackling that show, we've already been there. You're welcome to give it a listen. Uh, but we tried that, and and our listeners were like, "Thank you." 
but I still don't believe it. Like, oh, yeah. so you know, it, when, uh, it made me think of it when you said that people have strong beliefs. Sometimes, even when presented with uh, the science behind, and in fairness, we only sort of gave a cursory touch to it. But when presented with the science behind, that doesn't always make a believer into a different believer. No, I mean, if only, right? I mean, the world would if be only, a very yeah. different place if that wasn't the, the case. No, I mean, I don't have delusions of grandeur that uh, when people listen to our show they're like what we need to start acting on climate change but I do hope that people listen and then they have the tools to when they're in a discussion with their family or friends to be like well I just listened to a show about this and this is what the science says and yeah. hopefully little by little you like etch away we, we have had I think one of the episodes that we get the most emails about people saying I actually changed my mind thank you was our attachment parenting episode and I don't know what it was about that episode or that topic perhaps it was because we had a mum who practiced attachment parenting and then when we were like you know what there's like no research here the guy who created this is kind of a shyster um, she really like listened and took it on and was like and and was like oh wow she didn't like regret the way that she had started like but she was really putting her whole life into this kid and like attachment parenting is effectively like you, you can't have a job and be a full-on attachment parent um so you're really like sacrificing a lot which might be worth it if the science was like this baby will be happier um but if there's no science there you're just doing this out this huge sacrifice for not much benefit um and she really listened and i think Lots of people like sent that around to their friends who they saw crumbling under the pressures of attachment parenting and were like, just have a listen, like there's just have a listen and, and the response was amazing. People being like, Thank you so much. Like I really did feel like, you know, because around the, the schoolyard, you know, they were like, mm, well, you know, you've got to well, you know, that baby's not attached to you right now, like all this pressure, but to be able to be like, there's no science there, like I don't have to succumb to this. So sometimes yeah, the science great. Helps. I think what one changed life is uh, <laughs> is is is, is, a, is a success. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that we've run run into a lot is like frequently it's complicated, right? So like there's not a definitive uh, I know season one so full disclosure I've been binging on science versus for the last two days we had a little like uh, th a thought experiment could I catch up to you yes I started later and I was listening at 1x yes and you started earlier and listening at 2x yes so it's unlikely that I was going to catch up to you. Yes. And I think Science Versus, I didn't. Right. But, 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 but I started with season one when you were in Australia. A baby. A, a baby. baby. Yeah. And you were like scoring uh, like science. For, one of them was even science versus science. Yeah. And it was like. It's pretty meta. And, there was, and it was scoring. And we it was always like. It was like a half versus a half. Yeah. Or it was like one versus zero. And I, I started to get confused. And I realized once you moved on to Gimlet, like you, you maybe dialed back on that scoring. But isn't it partly because it's just complicated, right? I mean, like we've talked about that frequently. Like you start doing research, you realize the hot take is actually maybe a little more nuanced and you actually need to dig in and understand frequently you're, you're sort of providing uh, proof points for both sides of an argument for example exactly so i think the the idea in season one was very much like science versus a topic it's like the paleo diet but it was a completely like false fight because like science always won so even if the paleo diet won science wins as well right um 
So it like completely didn't work. And then even when like the topic itself had some truth to it, yeah, then we had to start doing like 0.5 to 1, 0.5, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Like the, the fractions just got ridiculous. When you got uh, to ridiculous. Gimlet, they're like, just no more with the points. No more with the half points, the hay points. If you're coming to Gimlet, <laughs> We're gonna drop this whole point thing. Was that that was part of the part of the deal? Um, it was. I mean, there were lots of discussions. There was no like you have to pass this, but it was very quickly like, look, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, doesn't really. Um. Up next, we hear from Rohit Bargava, the author of the non-obvious trends. He'll have a new book out early in January. We'll have him back on the podcast, of course, to talk through his 2019 trends and trend spotting. In this clip, you'll hear Rohit discuss light speed learning and how that was one of his predictions for 2018 that he really saw come true and one he could see accelerating even further into 2019. In terms of the learning and uh, the education media space, uh, which trends in 2018 do you think are, are, are most relevant and, uh, and which are maybe surprising? Which are, are maybe, you know, you expected the macro trend to happen, but then the way it's manifesting is different or the way uh, it's evolving into something different that uh, you're yeah, seeing down I the think, road? Um, well, so the, the one that really has taken off in the, learning, in the education space is light speed learning. Mm -hmm. And that was just a trend that described the expectation that we all have to be able to learn stuff faster than ever. Mm -hmm. And there were so many great examples of that from the eight-year-old kid who taught himself how to drive sure. because he wanted to go to the McDonald's drive-thru um, to like Fender investing millions of dollars to create this whole platform to help people learn how to play the guitar faster. Because if you get better at the guitar faster, then you stick with it which means you buy more stuff from right. them. Right. Um, so there were great examples and there's more and more examples of that. And this expectation that we can go online, we can teach ourselves how to do anything. There's how to content, there's videos, there's you know, online learning, the explosive growth of online learning right. is another element of that because these things are just an optimal way of learning various uh, topics. Right. And people have figured that out. Right. Right. So that definitely has, has taken off. Um, there was another trend that I wrote about that I called data pollution. And you probably imagine what that means. I mean, just so much information floating around, so much data, especially with corporations, that it's akin to pollution. It's mm -hmm. the stuff that you don't need. You'd like a way to filter it out, but you don't know how to. And so it starts to like rise up. And I actually thought that would be a much bigger um, topic because it's such a pain point. Um, and I thought that that would actually take off much more mm -hmm. as a term because I just thought it was an interesting way of describing data in this in the sense of treating it as pollution instead of what most companies do, which is they treat data as the savior. Sure. Um, but it, uh, the way that that was described, or I'm not, sometimes I'm not exactly sure why it doesn't, yeah, you know, it doesn't take off. It just, <clears throat> it just didn't, um, didn't capture people's attention. Well, it's, it's also interesting in that case too, where like people want to grab hold of a narrative. And if the narrative is it, the thing that we're trying to feel gives us structure in a very chaotic time is more messy than what we want it to be. Even if it's true, people may not want to embrace that story because, because I would actually say data pollution is a really interesting trend and I think it's real, but I feel like we're probably not comfortable yeah. accepting that because like we're the, the believability crisis that you've talked about. We've talked about it as a crisis of truth. I think I like the angle of, positioning that as a crisis of believability you know people want to find expertise or find somebody who actually knows what the heck is going on and frequently the folks who are closest to the data are the latter-day oracles 
And then when you, when you give them a trend that is saying like, that's actually not like they're as confused as the rest of us lots of the time. And that the data that they're harvesting is more noise than signal. I think we have a hard time wrapping our heads around that. So like we almost yeah. prefer to grab the narrative or grab the trend that it, that is a little more um, uh, almost like reassuring. Up next, we'll hear from friend of the podcast, Tarlin Ray, co-founder of Kaplan Labs. And what you'll hear in this clip is Tarlin discussing Gen Z and them entering the workforce and how current workforce and business setups just aren't ready for Gen Z to be innovative and to have the impact they need to have to move business forward in the next few years. This comes from practical experience. I, I think that at large that most corporations are not necessarily prepared to work with the next workforce, the next generation of workers. And, and part of it is, I think that, and I, I went to this myself, we have this lens or we have this perspective on the way that work should be and the way that individuals should operate. And what's, which throw it should throw that out the window is just uh, technology is moving so fast. Uh, individuals are able to be so much more efficient uh, transparency is everywhere, easier to get access to information. So the way that you went about getting, climbing the ladder or learning how to operate within an organization, you actually throw out the window. And it's part of that thinking is probably what is stifling innovation, causing friction with the next workers that are coming to the workforce because they're saying, why do I need to wait for, you're basically telling me I should wait for a fax. So just because you waited for faxes doesn't mean I need to. And so it's that, I think it's that struggle of people start to, and I said to myself, I was for a while, I was like old man on porch when engaging with digital natives who I felt were lazy, entitled, and always needed feedback. If you start to remove that and try to put yourself in their shoes, you'll see that should be changing a lot of the way you operate. And uh, for new workers, they're coming into very inefficient environments mm -hmm. uh, where technology is often 10 years behind. And so you can see why there's, uh, there should be attention. So I think this is an important topic to be talking about. You should be definitely focused on how to support the upcoming workforce. Yeah, and um, just kind of building on that, Gen Z, uh, so uh, just to kind of talk through the different generations that are in the workforce, there's the baby boomers who are sort of approaching retirement uh, age, you know, traditional retirement age in the 60s and, 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 and even into the 70s. There's Generation X, uh, where I think we have strong representation from Generation X on this call, which is, you know, typically they're entering into the, maybe their 40s. Uh, some are even approaching 50. So that's kind of like the middle age uh, bracket. Uh, millennials are a little younger than that. And then uh, Gen Z is uh, the fourth generation that's now starting to kind of come into the workforce. Uh, and there'll be another generation behind that. But for Gen, Gen Z, that's the largest generation in America that we've ever seen, uh, which is in addition to sort of the other more psychological points, there's sort of a, uh, a population demographic point around the, the way the workforce is going to change by virtue of the size of the emerging generation. Uh, and it speaks a lot to the future of work, right? So um, looking 10, 20 years out, a lot of what you're describing um, will will continue to be an issue and, and become uh, an increasingly important issue as we deal with the largest generation we've ever seen who's growing up digitally with, uh, with different uh, expectations around work, 
uh, and then also with automation uh, and artificial intelligence uh, becoming more and more, uh, you know, part of the world that we're we're living in. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, Tarlin? Just like you know how how the the sizes of these different organizations, uh, so different generations are, and then how that'll uh, coincide with trends in technology around automation and how jobs are gonna gonna be changing. Well, yeah. So and just let's try to I guess package it with millennials and Gen Z. So the claim is seventy five. Their status seventy five percent of the workforce by twenty twenty five will be digital natives. So in the millennial Gen Z bucket. Um, and so with that um, comes a need to um, have greater uh, transparency, as you've seen with the Generation Z and, and millennials right now, they have access to all sorts of information. Um, what is also going to happen is we're seeing it today. There are certain, there's a drive, and I was in the business, a drive towards, let's say, coding. Um, and being able to actually deliver apps and actually work on back-end pieces of technology. But, but I, I imagine next seven years, there actually will be tools that will do 50% of the work of what developers are doing today. Mm -hmm. And so you're actually looking for individuals that have skills that are going to be layered on top of a lot of these tech tools, a lot of the machine learning, AI. No, we are not going to have machines taking over, but communication skills, some of the soft skills, and then being, I have to call them FOTs, friend of tech technology, I think be massively important for any job. So Kaplan as an education company, we would say for the longest time, we're an education company. We're, we're actually a technology company at its heart. And most organizations that are going to continue to thrive have to be technology companies. So imagine you're infusing individuals who have grown up today, they're Gen Zers that could probably do, in New York City, they could do everything from their phone. Mm -hmm. they, could, uh, they could order food, they could get, if they happen to buy groceries for the family, they could get someone to take out their lawn, they could do everything from their phone. So imagine implanting them into an organization where they may not be the coders, but they want to see environments and companies where they could be as efficient while then being additive to whatever the foundation is. So that foundational layer of technology is just going to increase. Mm -hmm. And um, the skills that you're gonna have, need to have on top of that will change. I, it will not be, so the pickaxing will be sort of, maybe it will be someone who's a Ruby developer in eight to 10 years. But on top of that, you need to be able to sort of evolve and do a little bit more. Next up is Katie Nielsen of Voxy.com. She's the chief education officer, and she and Mike sat down for what was an absolutely dynamic conversation. If you haven't listened to the entire thing, I highly suggest going back and listening. Uh, it was hard to pick out one clip, but here is Katie describing the difficulty with language learning and teaching language as opposed to something like math. And she continues to discuss about the challenges that Voxy.com and other language apps have in presenting this in a digital format. Learning a language is learning a skill, which means it's a little bit different than learning a traditional content area. So if, when you study arithmetic, you need to learn to add, then subtract, then multiply, and there's a formula that you follow. Right. When you learn a language, you're learning a how to use a complicated tool to accomplish something else. Right. So we teach people to learn languages by doing, and that means we need to start with what they actually want to be able to do. Right. So it's sort of a myth that you need to teach everybody 
Apple and banana and book and airplane. And then right. you can teach them to go have a business meeting or order a coffee or right. whatever. Like right. you can just start with the business meeting or the coffee rather yeah. than wasting all that time with words people don't know. Yeah. Where's the bathroom? When's checkout time? Like, like the, exactly. the real valuable things. The valuable things that you need to know. Why are you arresting me? <laughs> yes. Where's the U.S. Embassy? Yeah, all those kinds of things. Yes. So, um, uh, but if I, if I understand you right, uh, typically Voxy is teaching a non-native English speaker how to speak English or yes. are you also, okay, so that, that is the primary focus. We, we exclusively work with non-native English speakers in mm -hmm. the United States and abroad. Right. And they want to learn English for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. Some people want to learn English because they want to go to a university in an English speaking country. Some want to get a promotion in their workplace and they're never going to leave their country, but they are in an industry that requires communication with other people in other countries. And because English is the language that global commerce uses, everybody speaking English. Some people want to learn English because they want to move to the United States. Some mm -hmm. people just want to understand song lyrics better. Some people here want to be able to understand their kids' teachers or understand the labels on prescription bottles. I mean, we talk about starting with a needs analysis first mm -hmm. because we want to figure out what our learners need to be able to do in English and then give them the English they need to accomplish their real world goals. Yep, that makes sense. Um, and um we talked a little bit about your your background and um you know you've traveled a, a bunch <laughs> and uh been exposed to different cultures uh i guess really throughout your life um how does that impact sort of your your philosophy or your approach to how people um how people can can learn english more effectively um so I have traveled a lot and I have lived and worked in Spanish speaking countries. Right now I do a lot of travel to Brazil. Voxy works very closely with a bunch of private language schools and universities and corporations in Brazil and Portuguese. I'm not great at Portuguese. Right. Um, so I think it helps inform my approach to language instruction because I understand personally what it's like to be someplace where you don't speak the language and you have a need to communicate. Mm -hmm. So it lets me be empathetic when I think about how to build our courses. Mm -hmm. Because learning a language is learning a skill, you have to do it. And it's really hard to speak a new language. And adults don't like sounding like they don't know what they're talking about. Right. So you are perfect at communicating in English. But if you needed to have this conversation in Spanish or any other language that you're trying to learn or learning, you would notice immediately that you sounded like an idiot. Mm -hmm. And most adults don't like that at all. Right. And so it's important um, to make sure that all of our learners understand that that minute or two of being uncomfortable and understanding that the only way to learn is to make mistakes is necessary for language learning to happen. Mm -hmm. We run into people all the time who say, oh, I took five years of Spanish in high school and I can't say anything. It's like, well, that's because you learned to conjugate boot verbs and how to memorize words, but you didn't learn how to say anything. And right. the minute you try to say something, you feel really uncomfortable, but there's no way to learn a new skill without kind of messing it up first. Like, right. If I wanted to teach an adult how to ride a bike, you're going to fall down. You're right. going to not be able to get the pedals to work. You're mm -hmm. going to feel like an idiot. If you, we were talking about driving. If you've always driven an automatic car and you get into a car with a manual transmission, the minute you start to drive, it starts bucking and you don't understand how to make it stop and it stalls and you feel like you don't know what you're doing. And that right. feeling is what happens. And so what's really important is making people understand that that's part of learning a new language. Right. And, and in some ways, uh, you know, not panicking and not getting frustrated and just giving up. Exactly. Like kids are so much more willing to look like fools and make mistakes. Like they're mm -hmm. learning to do everything. So they fall down. So they say the wrong words. So what they said makes no sense. Like who cares? Right. But adults, like we don't like to be wrong and different people, you know, we were talking earlier about 
learning styles and it's less learning style, but more people's cognitive profiles. Some mm-hmm. people are more uncomfortable with not having all the information than others. Right. Some people really want explicit instruction. They want to understand all the steps first and then they want to do it. Whereas other people are okay with learning things implicitly, trying and failing and learning and tra- learning by trial and error. And mm-hmm. a lot of language learning has to happen that way. Next, we hear a clip from our Meeker Report episode that had Mike, myself, and good friend Melissa Griffith on to discuss the report in 2018. The clip starts with a discussion around data privacy and how the Mary Meeker Report specifically points the differences between the United States and China about how they regulate apps and how they regulate the collection of data for these apps. That's also the growth of AI, right? And, I, and Meeker does get into that later in the report as well, like the the, the use of data and to, to really look at it. Mike, you were, you were mentioning before we started recording about a lot of this also talks about China, uh, about sort of this this new uh, Cold War of sorts between uh, tech in the U.S. and tech in China. Data privacy plays into that as well as uh, Chinese seem more uh, open or more uh, told to share more data and U.S. seems less uh, likely to. And so more data provides better user feedback and better apps as they move forward. Mm-hmm. What do you make of sort of the broad scope of her discussion of China and AI and, and data and, and how that might influence how tech moves forward and, and I guess in turn how education tech can move forward too? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty sobering uh, mm-hmm. to understand the current like macro uh, climate around artificial intelligence, tech innovation, um, and, uh, you know, the future of our global economy, because, uh, uh, you know, it's anyone, who, anyone who reviews these slides or like listens to, to Mary Meeker mm-hmm. talk will come away with, uh, with concern about the, the U.S. economy uh, and, and sort of the U.S.'s position um, as like a leader in innovation and, uh, and their focus specifically on artificial intelligence. Um, and, uh, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be jingoistic about it, but, uh, but, you know, like, I, I, th- I think there is, uh, a benefit to the U S being an innovation center that, that continues to drive change because our model is different from, uh, the command economy that you mm-hmm. have in China where, China can do big things because their um, whatever their president says must be enacted. Well, well, think about that though. It's not only what the president says, but then they have a billion people to to the work for, work for them, right? Exactly. And that's a lot of brain power going at, at at a very focused agenda. Yes, exactly. And 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 then there are cultural aspects uh, that Dan was referring to that makes that uh, makes the all of the 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 users of the yeah. internet in China like more comfortable offering their data up mm-hmm. to really the government to tailor the experience right where like you know you pair that with uh, you know any government's desire to sort of shape the minds of its populace mm-hmm. uh, it starts to get a little scary uh, it, to understand does. like where where does that play forward and then at the same time you know uh, Meeker ends the report with some slides about. Uh, the impact of uh, of immigration and 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 immigrants in the founding of uh, of Silicon Valley yeah. and like a lot of the top companies that are are in the U.S. Whether it's you know Google or Tesla or uh, you know the list the list uh, does go on for some time. There's there's a slide yeah. where uh, where they, they you know she she basically lists all the different top American uh, country uh, companies 
that were founded by immigrants. Yeah, and, and where will that be? Where will we be 20 years from now with the world we're in right, right now if, right. We, if we stop that bringing in of, of immigrant talent into exactly. the, the country? Yeah, and even think about it in terms of the emerging world yeah. too, like where like, you know, the if you're in the emerging world and you're top talent and you understand you mean like myself? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're trying to understand like, where do I take my talent? Yeah. And uh, South Beach. I... It's always South Beach. Yeah, that's, that is a good point. Yeah. It's very timely. Thank yeah. you for that, Dan. That was good. But uh, but I but I think you know, there's a, it's not like they're going to be going to China, but where where you know like if yeah, but where where will where will that that in that that intellect that yeah. intellectual capital go? Well, all all jokes aside, right? Like uh, 20 years ago when um. I, I made a decision, my parents made the decision, whoever made the decision to bring it to America, right? And, and to come to America, it was because this was the land of opportunity, right? And, and we, we, are, we were talented, we were, were the top of our classes. And so you knew you had opportunity here if you worked hard and that, that was the mentality. Right. I don't know if um, sitting, sitting in 20 years now, if I was now a kid starting now, yeah. whether I would come here or whether I would look at places like uh, Ireland or where there right. is a tech town or sure. like, uh, Asia or South Africa or like all these emerging yeah. like the bubbles what right. I would choose to to come here now like right. I, I wouldn't necessarily choose to go to China because China is one it's the population it's closed, is com- it's yeah. closed off but uh-huh. like there are places that are still open yes in the world and yeah. they're gonna they're gonna attract the talent yeah and they're gonna attract the companies right because that's why Google and, and these companies are going abroad and they're setting up hubs in, in different locations exactly yeah and so, yeah and if you went back 20 years yeah. you might say come to america because you will be on a fantastic podcast uh, in 20 years from now it's all going to come together yeah. beautifully for you and the last clip you'll hear on this episode is from debbie barabiches chief data officer for metis and uh, this was a wonderful conversation that was part of our international women's day episode back in the spring we had nancy sanchez and rochelle rostein on the same episode go back and check that one out it was a good one Uh, But this conversation was wide-ranging on Debbie's career, Debbie's education, and advice she has for young women and men uh, who are entering STEM and data science and who are just looking to become better learners. This specific part of the conversation is about where Debbie sees women in education and women in learning and then continues on to discuss mentorship and how important she believes it is for everyone to have a mentor, someone they trust and go to when they need help in learning, education, and in life. I do think that uh, I was very fortunate, but I should also say it took a lot of courage and effort. And I think it's important for young women to know that uh, people who make it in the field or who have success in their careers, it doesn't necessarily mean that we did not have obstacles. It's important to know that the people who win the race, so to speak, and get to the end are not the ones for whom things come easily but they are the ones uh, that get up after every obstacle and don't give up. And I think that's an important skill and a lesson to, to teach uh, young women that it, it's to get to the top, it takes uh, blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, and that's a good thing uh, because that shapes you in the process and, and then you can really uh, be humble and help others. In terms of what I see for STEM, I think, uh, like I said in the beginning, I'm very... Uh, sur- I'm, I'm delighted to see that a lot of the efforts and initiatives that uh, have started maybe 15 years ago uh, were collecting 
the fruits of that labor and we're seeing a lot more women. I work for a tech company, Metis, where most of the uh, man- management positions are held by women. Mm-hmm. Our marketing director, our careers uh, director, our chief data scientist, etc. We're all women. And that is just a fantastic accomplishment and, and speaks volumes about uh, Metis and, and Kaplan. And, and we're not the only company that's doing that. I, I do see an increasing uh, diversity in some boards and etc. However, having said all of that, there's still a lot of room for growth and improvement and while we are uh, making more uh, programs available and accessible to minorities, uh, we, are, we still have a lot of work to do in building a strong pipeline to get to the top. In other words, we, help, we have a big uh, funnel uh, opening at the bottom where we get a lot of women into these education programs, but then we need to help them and support them on the way to management positions and, and really uh, you know, grow higher and higher in their careers. Yeah, I love your tie to uh, the importance of mentorship, uh, even in terms of, uh, by the way, you're at that uh, astronomy professor who was your mentor. Uh, it sounds like she could have also been uh, a poet at the same time. Yeah, I think, I think was, she's my new mentor, too. <laughs> that was beautiful. Look her up. Beautiful language. But um, can you talk a little bit just about the importance of, of mentorship and also of uh, countering maybe the imposter syndrome, which I know is something that's uh, talked about a lot throughout uh throughout metis and throughout becoming a data scientist can you talk a little bit about how as a mentor you can sort of make it okay and maybe talk to talk to younger women or women who are emerging into the field about uh how to navigate it yes for me mentorship is everything and i often tell a lot of the young women that come for advice to me i tell them don't go to the don't take a job at a large company because of the name and the reputation of the company. Go to a place of work where you're going to have good mentoring. That is way more, more important, especially in the beginning of your career as the, the you know, big name uh, for the company. And the reason why I've experienced mentorship as the key to my career and my success is because coming from the background that I, that I came uh, with, I encountered a mentor at Brandeis who, while I was studying philosophy, he and I, uh, he was my TA in my astronomy course, which was the first course I ever had the courage to take in physics. And uh, to make the story short, he basically ended up believing in me and mentoring me for a whole summer and helping me learn the ropes to be able to start the physics undergrad degree in the middle of it and finish it in two years as opposed to in four years. And that's only because he sat with me every day and he gave me confidence to solve all those physics problems. And I owe him that pivotal moment of my career where I ended up uh, going into physics. And the wonderful thing about him is that when I wanted to compensate him for all his tutoring and all his time, he said to me that when he was growing up in India, in Darjeeling, like the tea, Mm. uh, there was this, this, there was this old man who used to climb up to his his town, uh, which was very steep in the mountains. And the old man used to teach him and his sisters the tabla, the musical instrument, mm-hmm. math and English. And when the family wanted to compensate this old man, he said, no, the only way you could ever pay me back 
is if you do this with someone else in the world. Wow. And that's exactly how Rupesh passed the torch to me for mentorship, for continuing uh, to inspire and encourage other women who, like myself, felt the desire to pursue careers in STEM. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I definitely uh, encourage uh, women to reach out to other uh, potential mentors. They don't have to be uh, women. I've had amazing mentors who, who have been men and uh, definitely find that connection with someone who's just going to care about it, the steps and every single thing that you do is going to pay attention and give you critical feedback. <laughs>